everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're welcoming you guys back to the Investing Podcast, where we're figuring out investing as opposed to speculating. The way Warren <laughs> Buffett does it, as best I can understand it from 30 years of doing this and teaching it to my daughter here over the last couple of years. So we're welcoming you to join us in this uh, education process. We're kind of wrapping up owner earnings here. We're talking about owner earnings. So we're yeah. going to dive right back into it where we left off from last week and see if we can't wrap up owner earnings today. We're getting done with it and we're exampling Fiat Chrysler. There exampling? We we're exampling it. So here we go. So we're going to run uh, Fiat Chrysler's owner earnings for 2017. We're going to be back a little bit, so it's not going to be exactly up to date. And let's just run down it the way we would do it. So do you want to do it? Yeah, sure. So I did that. I just picked the most recent annual report, and that's 2017. Right. And then my favorite thing about owner earnings is that mostly everything is on the cash flow statement. So you just go zip, zip, zip to the cash flow statement yeah. and quickly realize that you know nothing about this company and none of it makes any sense. <laughs> and then you take the net profit and the depreciation and amortization, which are both pretty close to each other. So I got those. So do you want me to say the numbers? Or, yeah, like, go this ahead. Is pretty you're, you're doing it in euros, right? This is all euros because the Fiat Chrysler financial statements are in euros. I'll convert it at the end, but I just like literally copied and pasted from the PDF. So it's easier to do it in euros um, and only convert at the end. So net profit 3510. Uh, how do you put that in what it actually is? 3 billion, 3.5 billion. 3.5 billion. Yeah. Give or take uh, a depreciation, okay. depreciation amortization is 5890, which is 5 billion, almost 6 billion. 5.9 billion. 5.9 billion. Right. Change in trade receivables is mm -hmm. the next one. Mm -hmm. This is negative 206 right. million. Right. And then change in trade payables. And these are the words used in their financial statements, um, which I always try to use and just copy over so that I know exactly where I got these numbers when I look back at it in six months and try to figure out what the heck I did. Um, change in trade payables is 1 billion point nine, no, not, not point nine, point zero nine. So 0.1, 1.1. Tax expense. Now, tax expense was an interesting one. I had to search for it, and I found it on one of the explanatory pages, and it's actually a lot larger than the tax line items they put in the cash flow statement, so watch out for that one. And that one is $2,651,000,000, so two point. Well, Seven. I'll let you decide which way to round. <laughs> just slightly leans me slightly toward 2.7. Okay. And then maintenance capex. Now, this is the, the one we always talk about as being the art rather than the science, because what we try to do here is differentiate between the money that was spent to grow the company from the money that was spent to simply maintain the company. Right. Um, and I couldn't figure it out. I didn't try that hard. Um, I discovered in this moment that I really didn't understand the company because I didn't even know where to start with figuring this out. So they have a uh, a line item that's called purchase of property, plants, and equipment. And I just took the whole thing, 
because if you don't know how to do it and you don't know how to differentiate, then you just take the whole thing and then you're way overshooting the mark and you're much more safe. So that one is negative 8 billion 666 million. How much is it again in euros? 8666. Okay, so 8.7. Okay. And, and that all. That all adds up to four point, I'll give you 4.3 million euros. That's what I get. And it's actually 4.265, and that equals almost $5 billion. Okay, right. I'm getting that same thing. But I'm going to change what you're doing on the, on the um, CapEx thing. Okay. A little bit, um, just as a possibility to consider that what we're looking for is getting rid of all the stuff that is maintain maintenance related, okay? And No, no, no. We want to get rid of all the stuff that's growth. Okay, we're going to get rid of the stuff that's growth. And we want to keep the stuff that's maintenance and subtract it. Yeah, okay. I just right. want to make sure I wasn't doing this totally no, you're doing wrong. You're totally right. Depreciation and amortization can be a pretty good number to go to to look for maintenance. Because if these are capital things like, you know, automobile plants, uh, equipment, then they're depreciating them likely, may not, but likely they're depreciating them over their true life. And therefore, hmm. they're going to have to be replaced according to the depreciation and amortization schedule. And that's not a bad assumption. You could make a worse assumption here. So you're being more conservative here. Yeah, you I was going to. ultra conservative. Yeah, which is totally legit. I mean, you're not going to end up with a worse a worse decision there, right? If you're being more conservative, so I'm right. fine with taking 10.4 million dollars out or 8.7 euros, 8.7 billion euros. But you wouldn't Wait, have what? to. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh, for maintenance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you could legitimately argue that you know if you took out seven billion, uh, let me see. What but so, but how would you do that? In detail. So what we have for the maintenance or purchase of property, plants, and equipment is $8.7 The depreciation is 5.9. What do you do? Do you just subtract? Yeah. Well, just that's take it out. Difference. You added it back in and you took it back out. Yeah. So that's, that's one way to go. Um, now, let's, let's see where that ends up. I'm going to do this in dollars, right? So I end up with... Um, substantially more dollars. I end up with, instead of $5 billion in owner earnings, I end up with $8.5 billion in owner earnings. Yeah, you would. Because right? I'm taking less out. So you're being more conservative, and I think that's better if we're not sure what we're doing. Um, but in any case, $8.5 billion is giving me an $85 billion 10 cap purchase price. Okay? And this is mm -hmm. selling for, what did we say, $26 billion? Mm-hmm. So something is radically crazy here. I mean, this is selling for a price that is like, can you imagine if I invested um, $26,000 and in the first year I got back 8,500? That would be good. Well, that's what Monish said about it. I know that's what Monish said about <laughs> it. That's why this is so interesting. In other words, I've maybe got this thing. Maybe it's not too hard for me. Hmm. No, maybe not. So if I continue that level of owner earnings, I've got my money back in three years from this huge company. And now I own all these brands and I own them sort of free and clear, right? 
So yeah, I mean, and this is like full on entertainment, guys. Oh, yeah. entertainment, and don't do anything we're talking about. We're speculating um, like crazy on these numbers. Okay, neither one of us understand this business well enough to be even discussing this as a real investment. We're discussing totally. this as a just an example. Yeah, no, completely, a hundred percent. And what I wanted to add on to that comment that neither of us know what the hell we're talking about on this is that I think maybe the reason it's it's like that, there's that disparity between owner earnings and the price right now is that people really don't believe in what this company can do. Like, I'm not sure anybody really thinks Jeep is all that exciting. And I'm not sure anybody really thinks Fiat is going to get turned around. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if a lot of people believe in the 10-year growth of this company. So I actually have not yet run the... Uh, what is it called? The other one? The payback time, the margin of safety. No, no, no. The margin of safety. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't run that one. Years um, of training. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Down the tubes. That's what I have you here for, Dad. <laughs> and I'll be so here for it'd be, you. it'd be interesting to see what that is with some growth estimates. I started it. I started figuring out my windage growth rate and had to come do the podcast with you. So well, just, I'll get to it. Fair enough. Let's do that. But back on owner earnings, if I decide to be more conservative about this, the way you went, um, I'd be looking at five billion in owner earnings and a fifty billion dollar ten cap mm -hmm. purchase price. So I can yeah. pay fifty billion for this and still get a ten percent yield. Fifty billion for a company selling for twenty six billion is really, really strange. You don't see this very often in well known companies. There's a lot of fear about Fiat mm -hmm. Chrysler in the market right now. And in order to be confident about buying it, of course, you, you would have to understand the business. You'd have to be a, a major league contrarian and say, I don't care that it's dropped from, you know, wherever it's dropped from. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are we looking at here? Hold on. It's had a big drop. Holy smokes. Whatever I was looking at a minute ago, 26 billion is producing a $16 purchase price right now. Oh yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I yeah. think it was higher for some reason. So basically our purchase price is right back where it was before all of this great stuff happened. I hope you're right about this stuff. Now I feel like I'd better No, it's check. right. $16.19 is where we are right now. As Sorry of for this the typing. Podcast. Fiat Chrysler stock price. And by the way, that's how I check stock prices. Yep, let's go look and check them. Um, so I've point, got it. Oh, that's in euros. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Point being, these guys may be massively on sale. These things are saying that this thing should be worth a lot more than it's currently being priced at. And I'm looking back in the last five years or so, it's been a, it's been at 25. And it's now at 16. It's been as low in the recent few months at, at as 15. So effectively, yeah. the stock price has been cut in half on a couple of things. The first is it unloaded Ferrari. So it's got to go down from that, right? Because if you valued Ferrari at all within the original company, once they spin it off and no longer own it. But that was years ago. Uh, that was a few years ago. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the last few months. Oh, wait a second. That was, yeah, that was before this all. Yeah, yeah. Happened. No, I yeah. think what's happened yeah. is the leadership change. Yeah, but that happened in July. And the stock price by July had already fallen from 25 down to 19. So I think there's oh. more to it. Hmm. 
There's more to mm. it. Something else is going on that, that we don't know. And my guess, yeah, because we don't know much about this company yet. But right. now I'm getting intrigued. So we got issues, right? We've got tariffs. That's going to be an issue. Good point. If you're trying to Very sell into the United States or the United States is trying to sell into Europe, we've got potential for a tariff war. Um, we're at the peak of a long cycle of automobile companies growing, 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 and they're very cyclical. We're near a recession, and everybody knows it, and automobile companies do terribly during a recession. Um, we're at a peak of consumer borrowing, and automobile company lenders do terrible when you're at a peak of consumer borrowing. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a big collusion of stuff. Let me, let me take a look at GM, because this thing is... Sometimes you can just look in the same industry and see what else is going on. So we've got this thing dropping from 25 to 18 before Marcioni got sick. And GM, during that same time period, what did it do? Well, it did about the same thing. It went from 45 down to 32 so far. And hmm. no problem with Mary Barra. She's still kicking along pretty good. Um, and let's look at Ford. So Ford, in that same period, well, Ford has been on this long They've been having decline, a lot of troubles. But in that same period of time, they've basically dropped from 13 down to 9. So I think we could make a case here that the automobile companies are being divested by big investors to get away from them before the recession hits. I think hmm. they're rotating out of an industry. And it just goes to show you how powerful the movements of trend are in these different industries that they don't have to have a great reason. All they have to do is get out of that industry and some things could go on sale. I mean, it's potentially these, these companies could, we could look back on this 10 years from now and go, oh my gosh, we could have bought Ford for $9. And now 10 years mm -hmm. later, it's, uh, you know, 36. And we would have made 24% a year or 15% a year. So, I mean, it, it's I'm not getting into whether I think this is true in this case because I'm, I'm just not that good at these industries and I'd have to do a lot of digging to find out for sure. But I can tell you that very good investors think that that is this case, including Monash Pabrai, and he's frankly just staying in there with this company he's already made a good profit on. Yeah, it's so, very it's very interesting. And it's interesting earnings. to see how it comes out in the owner earnings. Yep, Which... and I think owner earnings lead us to uh, sometimes a much better answer than a lot of these other ways of looking at value. If we were to look right now at uh, Fiat Chrysler, I mean, the, the analysts have an average rating on this company, the growth rate on this company at 25%. Whoa! Yeah. 25%? Yeah, for a car company. So analysts... Here on one hand, you have you have. The I industry, don't believe it for a second. This is what's so crazy. You have the industry dumping these stocks, all of them, and then you got the analysts going, "Oh no, they're going to grow like a weed." Oh yeah, unless we have a recession. Yeah, then I'll change my mind. <laughs> then I change. Then I'm going to downgrade. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By the way, is it possible? Do you think, Danielle, that these analysts could be putting a growth rate on here that's uber optimistic? For alternate ulterior motives, ulterior motives involved in in sucking up to Fiat Chrysler. Why would they want to suck up to Fiat Chrysler in particular? Well, let's say because they're 
investment banking division is trying to do the next bond for Fiat Chrysler. They're trying to get Fiat Chrysler to use them as their investment bank to do the next issue. Just, you're just inventing this scenario. Oh, I wish I were. Um, this is exactly what happens out there with analysts. They, they are trapped between what they really think is going to happen and their marketing teams in their investment bank who oh. are looking at them and saying, hey, if you put a low no, no, but I just I got to clarify before you move on with uh, your what? fantasy, because yes, that probably fantasy. happens. Yes, I, I got to say it. I got to protect you. You are not implying that that is happening with Fiat Chrysler right now, nor that you have any information about that. You are saying that this is a scenario in general that may happen with companies from time to time. Would you say that's correct? I would say that's certainly correct. And then I would go Good. farther and say, and in my opinion, an analyst that's putting a 25% growth rate on Fiat Chrysler right now <laughs> is sucking up to them for some reason. <laughs> and I'm going to guess. Or who that knows? That, maybe uh, we're both wrong and maybe they should have 30%. Oh my gosh, that's such a big number in going into the teeth of a recession, right? So, oh, it's crazy. It's a crazy number. And if you use that number, you would come up with a crazy answer for what this company's worth. You'd say, oh, this company that's selling for $16 a share right now is worth $242 a share. <laughs> <laughs> it must be on sale. You guys, if you ever see anything like that, where you're doing the numbers the way we teach you, and you see this sort of massive disparity between the number you come up with, oh, $242, which is what I just came up with, using $2.70 for earnings, 25% growth rate for the next 10 years, a PE of, oh, well, I got the PE wrong. It's, I'm way low. PE should be 50, and it just <laughs> choked. Oh, it's really $318 is what it's worth selling for 16. Nobody is that crazy on Wall Street. That's something worth $318 is going to sell for $16, unless there's so much screaming fear around this thing that it'll be front page headlines. So something's really, really wrong here. And that is and this is this is why rate. you taught me with um with the growth rate to use. I just looked it up in the book. It's on page two two two. You either use the historical growth rate or you use the analyst five year growth rate, whichever is lower. And if both of those are insane and you're just going, wait a second, then you use your own growth rate and you call it the windage growth rate. That's go. how this works. Like we try to be super reasonable and common sense. And guess what? You can also run it, run the calculation with multiple growth rates and see which one seems the most reasonable. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you pick one and you're done. And I can tell you, I mean, just looking at the numbers here, this company makes 4% return on its invested capital. And over the long 10 year history has got a, and I grant you this is through a recession and everything, but it's got about a 5% five, 5 maximum growth rate. And the analysts are putting it down for 25. So this oh, the is, historical is five? Yeah, the 10-year historical is 4.4 for sales, 3.7 for cash, 3.8 for earnings, and 4.8 for dividend and book value growth. I mean, I'd be very optimistic to say five. Okay? God, you're so fast at this. Well, I've got the numbers in front of me from my website. <laughs> Cheat.
and I mean, another way to look at this stuff is look at cash flow growth and look at the growth of the book value. And cash flow growth here is running, you know, 8%. So, okay, I'm just going to windage it here. And I'm going to yeah. say, great, I'm this, let's just call this an 8% grower. Yeah. Fair enough. And let's say that that would give it a 16 PE, because typically in a good market, you get a double PE to your growth rate. And let's submit that. And we end up with a sticker price of not $318. Our sticker price is $23, selling mm. for $16 in the market. Now, that's a lot more like it. We've got a margin of safety price of 11 and a half. And we've got an eight-year payback time of 16 bucks. And it's selling for 16 bucks. So there's a lot of things pointing to Manesh being right here that this thing has some discounts, but we wouldn't have used the analyst number there. It's just nuts. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Isn't that funny? I gotta think about I gotta think about the mission of Fiat Chrysler also. Like, do I support what they're doing? I mean, I want you guys to think about this for a second. The analysts who are tracking this are professionals with MBAs from the best schools in the country. And they're coming up on average with a number here for the next five years of growth, that's ludicrous. Okay, now hold on. It's defensible for sure. I don't know what their defenses are, but they've got them. So it seems crazy to me Lud on face value. Ludicrous. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. Ludicrous. Yeah, well, it's that's ridiculous. how we pronounce it. So. Um, and it'll get you in trouble. But they're not, they're not, but guys. they're not. I mean, you go on a whole thing about how they're like, oh, so educated and yet so stupid. They're not stupid. They have reasons. Oh, yeah. But... And their reasons are everything but what you think they are. Their reasons are, well, I'm going to put up a big number because that's probably what they'll do next year. And then I'm going to change it. Even though I'm saying this I mean, that, for the next that actually years. might totally legitimately be, the, be correct. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of that. They're putting their growth for next year. And again, let's think about who their audience is. It is not Warren Buffett. It is not you and me. It's all the people who work in the financial district in New York who are buying things for the next two minutes or two days or two weeks, maybe two months, but probably not longer than that. Yeah. And I can so tell you for sure, nobody for. remembers the analyst projection from two years ago. Forget it. So you're right. Yeah, it's all know. about the next two minutes. And also, they're doing that for Fiat Chrysler. They're putting that big number up there and they can walk in and look what our analysts put you guys in for. But that's really interesting. Maybe it is defensible to say 25% growth for the next year. Maybe that is defensible. Sure, that's a possibility, right? Yeah. And then minus three for the year after. Who knows? I mean, but when minus we look at it the long run, when we look at it the long run on a company like this, we have to, we have to get a grip. Right, and we want to make a relatively conservative appraisal. What we can say, I think, is it's likely that Fiat Chrysler will be bigger in ten years. Don't you think we can say that? I don't know if I, without doing research, I honestly would not be able to confidently say that about any car company. Well, fair enough, because had they not bailed Fiat Chrysler out of its bankruptcy, it would not be anything right now. Right, and I think the and world of transportation years. is changing significantly right now, and I'm not sure which uh, companies are going to handle that well. So I, I don't have, without doing research into it, I don't have a lot of confidence. I mean, think about this, that. you guys. What we're saying here is that you guys have been following this podcast. We can pretty confidently predict that there'll be more burritos being sold by Chipotle in 10 years <laughs> than today because we know they're building 200 new restaurants every year. 
Mm-hmm. All right. And they're being run by a guy who just finished up cranking up Taco Bell. And I mean, they're going to crank it up. No question about it. I don't know how much they're going to get bigger, but they're going to get bigger. And they don't have any debt. So there's not anything that can put them out of business because they're very cash flow positive. That's a no brain. That's not hard to do that and say, I'm pretty confident 10 years are going to be bigger. Now we come to Fiat Chrysler and we're basically asking our questions about, wow, what's the e-car going to do to Fiat Chrysler? What What is Marcioni's death going to do to Fiat Chrysler? What, what is the value of the brands that they have? They start selling them off. I mean, those are much harder than will they make more burritos? I can do the burrito right. question pretty good. I get a little shaky on the auto industry. Okay. Yeah, it's a tougher, much and, tougher. And that's industry. why guys like Monash Pabri and Guy Spear are so rare. They're so good at finding these nuggets that turn out to be nuggets that doesn't look like it to the rest of the world, right? Whereas I'm just sitting there going, you know, I, I got to find a six-inch bar to jump over because I just no way jumping over a five-foot bar. I can't do it. And that's what I want you to learn, honey, is that you have to wait and be patient and just find those things that are easy. They're just really easy. You want no-brainers, right? You want stuff that just is obviously on sale. Yeah, you do. And as you started this episode out, there aren't any. So. (laughs) (laughs) There aren't any. I think we better let everybody go. Um, We've pounded into owner earnings a little bit more. We really didn't go... Um, deep into it, but I think you guys have the general idea that it's a it's a useful tool. Use the book, invested to kind of you know figure out what how to do the formula for it. And I think we it. went pretty deeply. Do we you went not? Pretty deeply, yeah. I think. I mean, you refuse to explain a couple of a couple of your choices, but that's respectable. That's fine. And yeah, a couple of them are kind of arbitrary, but they make it simple. And but I, I think it's to okay to say that. That's an explanation. I think that's. It's okay. And I, I feel like I understand it better than I did before we started this series. All right. In that case, we're going to move on next week. Yeah. Next week, we're going to play our live recorded, our live episode that we recorded at my dad's uh, transformational investing workshop, which, um, which we're doing together. And so, it's going to be a massive be cool. live mic Q and A session, um, and I, I have high hopes. You got an awful lot of fans that are going to be there, um, and the person that won the thousand dollars cash and a free trip and free hotels and free airfare and and a free conference and all that, he's going to be there too. Yeah, and it's going to be cool. So we're going to play that next week, yeah. and uh, and I'll be. If you guys want to look back on my social media, my dad's social media, you'll see photos of that as well. So until then, thanks everybody. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, show notes, and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary 
This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.